Welcome to the Fieldhouse Strength Podcast. Fieldhouse Strength Podcast. If it's strength and conditioning, powerlifting, athlete performance, general fitness, and anything in between, we're talking about it. We're talking about it. Your hosts are pros who've done it all and here to share that knowledge with you. This is the Fieldhouse Strength Podcast. And here are your hosts, Sean Jones and Jonathan Bird. sponsorship, competition, how to build a career in the sport. You know, primarily, we'll begin talking about how to do it as a weightlifting bird. That's your area of expertise, certainly compared to me. So what do you think the first thing that you need to do to, to get into the sport of weightlifting? Obviously, you have to be pretty strong. You have to be pretty strong and or well-known in the sport. We do see that. So networking and marketing is going to be pretty important. Yeah, it's a huge piece of it. Your social media influencer reach is really, really the huge part of it. There's tons of guys out there who are strong and who are permanent. I mean, they're, they're strong and they sponsor you. That's what they pay juicy money for in the company. I mean, you're, you're, you're a walking advertisement for them to a degree. And so you have to understand that to make their brand that's one thing, um, when you got started, social media wasn't really a thing yet. I mean, it existed, but it's not what it is now. So what were some things you did in terms of building relationships in that kind of thing? So, you know, when I started being a high-level power lifter, you know, what first steps I took was, you know, kind of creating a YouTube channel. You know, I was doing kind of informational videos on YouTube magazines and doing a lot of, basically, soliciting. Nutrition companies and, and equipment companies, and saying, "This is what I can provide. This is what I bring to the table. Would you be willing to work with me?" And basically, whatever they took, gave me, I accepted. You know, we've been sponsored by several different supplement companies over the years. And the reality of it was, I mean, I was funny. I claimed I took all of those, you know, because they, you know, I just, you know, I took some of their pre-workout, and things of that nature. But it wasn't like this huge staple. It's, I mean, I was a slacker when it came to to that avenue, but you know, I was lucky enough to be sponsored by you know Titan and Titan Performance, and Israel and Moda, and those two things really I didn't I didn't have to pay for any lifting equipment really ever, and so that that was pretty cool. I mean, it was always a big benefit, but at that time it was what I brought to the table. You know, it was what is your income? So before the social media, it was message boards. Mm-hmm. You had your Muscle strength, strength and strength, nice raw material. Anyway, you know, di- 
different websites and and if you manage to get your way on one of those websites you'll lose contact with like one of those websites and you'll find that you you know the lead FTS was a big thing then and then still is now by we sponsor a lot of boat trips and trans and and what have you and et cetera et cetera and with all those things came requirements and that's where people fail to realize it's not just a gig and it's not hey I'm going to show up and lift weights no you never get something for nothing no you know it was you must create so many videos a month right or answer your article answer so many questions on messenger answer you know all of those things came together it's not wasn't as simple as hey I'm going to lift weights for a month yeah you don't just get to go do the fun stuff and they throw money at you you've got to make sure that people hear about their product and they're going off the strength of your reputation yeah and the reality of it is and so you know whether it's Olympic lifting or powerlifting CrossFit's a little different there's a little bit of money in CrossFit powerlifting Olympic lifting wise your money's not going to come from hey I won the Arnold yes I've got five thousand dollars I spent five thousand dollars on travel training and everything else your money's typically going to come from being a frequent flyer so you need to have that presence primarily to drive people to you as well. Correct. So, you know, obviously lifting on a bigger stage and having a good social media platform is great. It allows you to add your clients to your email database. Most most times it's online. And that allows you to, you know, kind of fund the process of I'm going to do a lift gym so that I can get, you know, trained these athletes. And that's where, you know, the cream comes to the top because if you can't coach, people figure it out pretty quick. Yeah, and that's a good point. Once you do start, you know, getting clients and ones that are more discriminating in terms of what they're trying to accomplish, you better have the goods, right? Yeah, you know, the reality is you're not going to make everybody happy. It's never going to take place. You're probably going to get somebody that, you did a bad job, but I need to get stronger. Well, you probably get stronger because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. But that's a whole nother argument. The reality of it is, for you, the business side of being an Olympian really comes down to brand influence. Okay, so you have to have the social media influence to get the clients. You have to find the sponsors. Then have to maintain those clients to make a, a, a decent amount of money. I mean, I know there, there's the top level guys that are training athletes online are making a significant amount of money. Yeah, so generally, powerlifters are not household names. No. <laughs> so what do you think high-end expectation that someone can have as far as earning potential, even if they didn't want to coach? If they didn't want to coach, if they were just what I made from sponsorships and winning meets in powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Maybe 25000 A year? Maybe. Right, so you're not going to live off. No, not even that. Dan Bell's the best powerlifter in the world, probably not being killed off a dinosaur that had already passed away. And he can pay the bills. Yeah, so he can pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the difference between this sport and other sports. You better like doing it. Oh, yeah. You you have to do it for the love of it. Mm-hmm. The absolute love of it. Um, yeah. You know, the coaching part becomes a side business or your main business. 
but the reality is that sponsorship money and winning competitions, there's none of that. Yeah. Because you don't draw the crowd to other sports, do you? No, no, absolutely not. You know, um, you know, a big time meet might pay you ten thousand dollars, maybe. That's like all theirs. Yeah, you know that that's a big time, you know, sponsorship money that you don't get to see at, at having one time events. You don't you don't really get the money for that. Right. So you get ten grand. Yeah. So putting putting social media aside, you know, I've talked to different business coaches over the years, and you know, one that I trust the most, he. He says, well, what happens with the Facebook posting? You still got to yeah. get out there and do things. So I'm sure glad handing or meeting people was a big part of what you had to do. Yeah, you know, having a personality really matters. You know, uh, especially back then. Mm-hmm. You know, it was word of mouth really mattered, especially in sport. You know, in sport of powerlifting 20 years ago, you could walk, you know, you could walk into a powerlifting and ask all kinds of trainers questions and get their answers. And now it's like you can just ask them and see how they type it. And here's my card. Yeah, you know, and everybody wants the money. And I understand that. You know, if you got something worth value, you don't necessarily give it away. But the reality is you can talk about business with anybody. You know, but at the end of the day, to make a dollar as a powerlifter or any Olympian for that matter, is comes down to clients. And, and, you know, there's some people that make money from their social media, obviously. But at, at the end of the day, they're, they're a social media influencer. They're not just somebody who a workout inspires them or whatever. Thank you. That was the next thing I was actually going to bring up is the most popular lifters aren't always the best lifters. No, absolutely not. Um, Prince Trez comes to mind for me. <laughs> the glute guy. The, not a very good lifter. Right. Extremely popular and intelligent. That's not, you know, yeah. he's not a great lifter. You know, there's, there's some people that are just genetic freaks that are amazing lifters that might not necessarily be the most knowledgeable people in the world. Yeah, it's interesting you say, when we had talked about him before, I didn't even know he was a powerlifter. He's a lifter. Yeah, I didn't know he had competed. I didn't know that was a claim he had made. I mean, you know, I'd read his articles. He's got some good stuff. He's definitely found his niche. Yeah, he's found, found an avenue to help him drive people to more events. He, he could if he was very over-inflated what he believed. Yeah, yeah. He's got some uh, interesting takes on things. I think overall he's right. I know a lot of times I've seen people that participate in certain sports just to say they did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had an intern at one time, and she did a fine job. She was there. She wasn't certified yet, so I made her an intern, and she was trying to make it as a bikini competitor. Mm-hmm. She hadn't really accomplished anything there, and once she had an internship with me, see you later. And now she's saying she's this trainer and accomplished. And so it doesn't necessarily, not necessarily going to come back to her in the end because people see somebody that's in shape and they say they've got some accolades and there you go. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's people that make a lot of money off manipulating social media. Mm-hmm. And they'll filter select things on social media that they think will help. And there's a lot of people that make a lot of money off of other people's posts, whether it's creating controversy through social media, through articles, whatever, or piggybacking off of people who have really developed a lot of great ideas and really 
taking shots at them or, you know, manipulating what they're saying. I happen to, you know, Louis Simmons obviously passed away. People still do it all the time. Yeah. You know, they're, they're riding on his coattail and or taking jabs at him to create hits to their side or whatever. The thing about Louis Simmons is, no matter what you think about him, he was a pioneer. Oh, absolutely. I know we were talking about the type of money you're getting to work with a woman that was a high-level IFBB figure pro. And, I mean, she worked for me. <laughs> and she was just trying to make enough to buy her next posing suit. Oh, yeah. It looked like a handkerchief, and it was like $800. It was crazy expensive in that field. In that field, there's a lot of money tied to that field, and that in itself is crazy. That and the, you know, skin and hair and makeup, and they spend a ton of money preparing for those types of things. You know, the, and the people who coach them, I mean, it's very expensive. It's, it's very time-consuming to do it correctly. Do not mistake that. You know, if somebody's doing your diet, your actual training, actually watching what you do, you know, in video, and the reality here, guys, sorry, we're drugs. It's it's a matter of time. I mean, it's good ones aren't cheap. Some of them are, but they're doing like group training where everybody's doing the same workout, everybody's doing the same thing. That, that's really not customized and personalized. I think that people have a misunderstanding about the difference between those two types of training. You're you're, tra- you're charging for your time, and obviously, what builds the opportunity for you to use that time is your background. But to give away an hour of your time, you know, you've got to be compensated for it. Correct. And especially as you you become more of a rare commodity, you know, that's, uh, that's how economics work. Price goes up. You know, to do a group, it can be cheaper because you can make it worth their time by sharing that cost. So when did you get to a point where you felt like you were well-known enough to start commanding sponsorships? Um, I waited. I, I, I waited until I hit my first pro total in powerlifting, which is not nearly as big of a deal as it was twenty years ago. But at that point, I, I started kind of seeking small ones, and I was looking for equipment. Um, even if it was just a percentage, you know, and I, I, I was willing to take it because everybody starts somewhere. Now there's so many pop up. Companies that I'm sure your spam mail has gotten on your forum and social media. Hey, we like you. Would you like to be a sponsored athlete? And, and they give you a discount code. You know, your basic, you know, uh, glorified coupon code. Well, when we first started this podcast, somebody contacted us. Their first question was, "How many social media followers do you have?" Yeah. You know, that's what comes down to the business portion of it, and. Yeah, as you talk about, you're just trying to get equipment and get by. I didn't mention earlier that the woman I was talking about, when I say she was a figure pro, she came within a hair's breadth of qualifying for Olympic. So she was that high level and needed to train, needed a job. Yeah. yeah I, I have a childhood friend that's an IFBB pro. She's a personal trainer. That's how mm-hmm. so she got started with me. Yep. So what would you consider to be a successful career for a power lifter in terms of income, 
clientele, that sort of thing. What would that look like in here? Okay, so, you know, the idea of success varies from from person to person. In my opinion, you have found success in the sport financially. If you're making any money, you're doing something. 99.9% of the people are doing it because if you're at a high enough level that you're responsible to pay your fee for continuing, you've accomplished something. Right. You're in the rare percentage. It's not coming out of your pocket to compete. Correct. You know, and that that's a big part of it. Now, as a coach, you've probably found yourself being critical that you're you know, working with twenty or more online clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I never worked with more than thirty because you know when I was really doing it pretty heavily. Way we did it, it was very time consuming. Right. It was not simple. Everything was kind of custom done. Uh, you know, you could kind of use a template, you know, when it came to meat preps and things of that nature, but you had to change out all the secondary maintenance and really had to watch what they were doing. And with equipment, it's so, so technical that you would have to watch any video to keep it time consuming. You're like, it's breaking down film on that person. You know, so it becomes very time consuming. And honestly, it became very like a, Frustrating to the degree of wanting to pound your head against the wall because you're not there. You can't put your hands on this person and say, you know, it's going to take many years. And that's the last part. Yeah. But so success would be, for me, if you can fund your listening habitat right. from what you're doing, you found a lot of success. You're in rare, rare air. I've heard Brian say a million times, you know, I think in this entire time, no less than 10 people have ever asked me for money. Yeah. I think you probably made $10,000 competition in one day. Right. During that time frame. Now, you made a lot more money than that, you know, book sales and things like that. But that's the ability to articulate your knowledge, put it in writing and doing it. That's not necessarily from the sport. The sport gives you the platform to sell yourself. Correct. And that's all that it is doing. So if you're able to fund your pursuit of the sport, you're doing a great job. Enough people know you that you can start building on that if you want to. So so the expectation of I'm going to do this as a career, I hate to tell you this, guys, it's a pipe dream. It's not real. Anybody tells you that that's all they do for a living is they're lying to you. They coach. Okay, they coach. They're a trainer. And that's nothing wrong with that. I don't understand why people uh, try to sugarcoat it in a way to make it sound like, well, I'm a professional powerlifter. There's no such thing as truly a professional powerlifter. There's a total that's considered being a pro. But there's no pro card coming in the mail. There's no powerlifting competing There's a lot more people competing in the sport now than there were 25 years ago. But 25 years ago, the sport was on ESPN. Right. So, you know, it's 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 a little different now. Now everything is just streamed versus high-level sponsors. You know, we had why not uh, record breaker. You know, Budweiser was a sponsor on ESPN and everything. And so that's, um, you know, what started off as kind of a back to where maybe politics used to come in back. So now it's kind of gone away from that, more mainstream. But while going mainstream, 
there's no mainstream platform that says to become all social media being social media managers. They're going to be the TV deals. Yeah, you can't see that coming. Because honestly, Carlos is boring. It is boring as hell. From a guy who loves it, I don't want to sit there all day and watch seven hours of liquid and some of it a terrible <laughs> form and a terrible liquid. Like even your pro-level meets, you know, I can flip back and forth and get to see the people that I know and want to get. Oh, yeah, that's pretty impressive. And you have to really have an appreciation for the sport to do that. And the longevity of it. I've been doing it for since 1998, but you know, I also played college football, professional football in between there. I mean, I wasn't competing every every four months for for that time frame. Thor just you know is only a handful of years removed from being the world's strongest man, does the powerlifting meet and blows his pecs completely off. Yeah, you know the the, the lifespan of a high level lifter is small. And you think about what your body's designed to do. It's designed to do those things sometimes. But the key point is sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Not all the time, on a regular basis. You know, you're, you're dancing with the devil every time you push that pedal. You know, Brian always describes it as the driving a car. You know, you, know, you can drive it on the rev limiter for a little while. The longer you drive it on that rev limiter, the more reality is it's going to blow up. There's a reason it's rev limiter. <laughs> so... Um, you know, looking at uh, one one question I had is you've got different associations, right? So you've got someone that says they're a world record holder, but it's in an association you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. So tell me which ones that come to mind that are lower level to higher level. You know, it's kind of, it all depends on what style we're looking for. So as much as it's going to piss people off, Kind of going away from that because they've made some bad decisions along the way. If you hold a world record in the USATL, which is the Powerlifting Federation, you've done something. So that means you're in the IPF World, you've been in two World Cups this year. That's a big deal. It's a really big deal. But when somebody says a world record, in real powerlifting mode, it only means one world record. That's right. There is Federation world records, but if you're bragging about those, you're not a pretty good powerlifter. I know I had a guy tell me he was a world record holder one time, and I asked him what his lifts were, and I was stronger than him on every lift. I never competed. So, so a true world record, there's only one. There's only one per weight class, one per sex, and that's the reality of it. You know, there's a lot of federations out there. I mean, I bet I can name 20 off the top of my head. Some have more validity than others. You know, some are true, you know, world organizations, and some are, you know, guys with the cool garage that live in another federation. Right. You know, it's, uh, it's like anything else. You can put enough filters on anything and make it sound good. So, like, I'm sure I sorted out my best lifts to enough degree that I could be a world record holder. Mm-hmm. It might be, you know, the world record squat for somebody who's almost 40 and born in June and is right-handed and has had a knee surgery. But, you know, it, it would be a world record according to some people. Well, there's a there's a category for you to compete in that, I'm sure, somewhere. And so I don't say that to demean people who are very proud of their world record in their sports because that's a great accomplishment. 
Tried to pass through Godwin three different times in dead weeks, and it's all three different weeks. <laughs> but, but you know, it was a guy that I grew up looking up to, and so you know, chasing that number was a big deal. So you were close to the world record to squat at one time, right? Uh, I, you know, I was about a hundred pounds off of it, and then Dave Hoff just took it and put it in a different world. And you know, I think only Jesus could get Dave Hoff to squat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty pretty tough company right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a pretty big, big machine. Nobody could want that. But there was a guy built to be a power lifter in Dave Hall. Right. Yeah. Second is Dan Bell. But, you know, and Dan, Dan's going through some injuries right now, apparently, too. Um, so, and that's a genetic freak. You feel, you know, it makes me look tiny in there. Most people don't make me look tiny. Right. Yeah. That's, that's one thing. So you really have to get to the highest level to make a career. The, the, the elite of the elite, just because you're strong at the gym, is not going to put you in a position to be a very well-paid athlete. Now, if you look good, you got a good social media appeal. You can be paid for that. Oh, no doubt. But the sport itself is not going to make you money. It's just not. There's no money to be made in that. Yeah. You know, you could go and win every big-time competition. In the United States this year, and you will be better off than probably anybody else. Yeah, and like you said, your appearance makes a big difference. Pretty much every gym I've ever worked at, I've been the highest producer except one, and she was a very attractive woman. And I'm not hating on her for it. She made money doing it, but it didn't matter what I knew. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you were a buffoon. She, she got that. Yeah, that's right. So, I'm fine with that. But. Yeah, I might. I may have had her train me eventually. I don't know. But <laughs> it's funny. It reminds me when you talk about the different federations of if you win a Grey Cup championship in the CFL and you say you're a world champion. Yeah, that's the same idea. Yeah. You know, and that, it, it's just one. I'm sorry. There's not. Well, inherently, there is one world record. Yeah. That's who has the most. And again, I'm proud of anybody who gets on that. It's a difficult task, whether people want to admit it or not. To be st stand in front of other people, do the lift, and be judged by three people, and meet a certain standard, it's not easy. Right. In fact, most people's lifts take significantly longer yeah. when they try to do it in a competition setting. Right. But it doesn't make you a world record holder. Just, I mean, you'll have people say you're a world record holder, and you'll be the only person that even has a crack at it. Well... That gives everybody that's interested in, you know, maybe a... Sorry, I was a soul crusher when you guys got kicked off the uh, Well, at least they're not going, that bird's full of shit. Yeah, well, I mean, I might be, hey, don't waste 10 years to find out. Yeah, that's right. Let us know. Trust me, I tried it for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, even people that you were talking about that are successful, it just provided a jumping off point to build up their reputation by the loss. Yeah, you know, if you truly love the sport and you really want to do this for a living, Lift for your passion, create a client base, use your client base for the money. That's, well, that's, that's really the only way to do it. Well said. So those of you that are aspiring power lifters, now you know the deal and you can count the costs. And uh, that'll do it for this week. See you next time.